0: Rational discussion, common sense, open debate, RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. Dr. Gary Fedke is an orthopaedic surgeon practicing in Launceston, Australia, along with his wife Belinda. He's also opened the Nutrition for Life Diabetes and Health Research Centre, also based in Launceston, which provides nutritional care around Tasmania and Australia. And Gary has a long-standing interest in the preventable aspects of health outcomes, particularly before operating on his patients. And he joins us from Launceston as Celeste Patterson describes Tasmania, uh, Gary, the continent of Tasmania.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, we've got this little island to the north called the mainland. And we've yeah. got a little thing called Bass Strait, which is uh, yeah. So we've got you know, right through all that COVID nonsense and everything. We, that was our drawbridge that was pulled up. a bit like New Zealand had a slightly bigger drawbridge that you pulled up around the rest from the wet, we rest did. of the world. We did. And, uh, and rightly right or wrongly,
0: and you were telling me in the little chat when we we connected up that um, um, something I didn't know our salmon comes from. Tasmania. Your, your continent of Tasmania.
1: Yeah, I don't quite know how it got over there. Might have got over an in instant bucket of water or something. But your Tasman- yeah. your, your salmon industry, you know, the, the farming the whole lot. Uh, you know, not not just the farming. I mean, but the wild uh, um, catching is actually all Tasmanian salmon.
0: Well, you learn something every day. It's not I, directly I, I, related I could,
1: to, to the topic, but um, I could stand corrected on it. But that's what I've been informed from a couple of yeah, Tasmanian we'll
0: what, sources. So <laughs> we'll see. It sounds fishy to me. We'll see um, what uh, um, uh, feedback comes through on our email, see, see if there's anyone disputing it. Yeah, but
1: it, it'll all be coming from New Zealand uh, emails. So, yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. They don't, well, they don't market it as Tasmanian salmon, I can tell right. you that.
1: No, but I've I, I spent quite a bit of time in, in Kiwi land, north and south, but um, yep. a lot of bushwalking, quite a few friends over there. So um, I do have uh, – I should start off by saying I have some respect for New Zealanders, okay?
0: And and likewise, back the other way,
1: especially for Tasmanians now. Not only because of the fish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because of the fish. All right. So um, I'm reading from our Radio New Zealand website here. Gary Fetke is the only doctor in Australia to be banned from giving dietary advice to his patients after recommending those with complications of type 2 diabetes reduce their sugar intake. Now, I'll bring that up because I think what went with that story was an interview I think it was on the Saturday morning show, so that would be uh, Kim Hill that you were talking to, and I believe it wasn't a very
1: pleasant experience. What happened there? Well, I go into um, most discussions open-minded, ready for an open discussion, but to be fair, if you ask for my opinion, I'll give it, and sometimes people may not like it. But um, I've actually written a book some years ago where at the end of it I said, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. And let's talk about solutions. And uh, anyway, um, that stemmed following on from a presentation I gave to the beef industry. So uh, uh, the beef industry um, here in Australia, uh, the meat industry—you know, everyone thinks they're quite powerful, but they're actually quite disorganised. You know, they're, they're a conglomerate of farmers who have an interest in their land and their animals and try to do the right thing and the environment. And um, they're up against the processed food industry, and the processed food industry has all sorts of ties in with, obviously, the plant-based culture, the uh, vegan rhetoric. And one of the things to cut my story short into a bit of a nutshell is I worked out that Several years ago, sugar was harmful, particularly in diabetes. And you know, now, now this is a mainstream concept. But I can tell you, 13, 14 years ago, I looked at it, looked at it as I was, you know, out from another planet. In the process of that, I realised that we can actually turn around little things like type two diabetes uh, with a low carb lifestyle. By definition, low carb means dropping processed food, sugar, cereals. And it was around that time that I started getting targeted by the food industry, particularly the cereal industry. We've got all the documents, got all the internal documents, emails. I presented to a few Senate inquiries. I got reported to the medical board on three occasions. took nearly five years to clear my name. But one of the things that came up, it was not that I was so much anti-sugar and anti-carb. It was more that I was pro-meat. That's why I was being targeted. Because if you don't eat sugar and carbs and processed food, you really is a move away from a plant based diet to an animal based diet. And I, so, what I say about biochemistry and science is actually what happens within a cell, within our bodies, is actually biochemistry, it's science. What happens outside of the cell is non science it's politics, it's money and particular its religious fervor and a lot the further we went down this line we realized that in fact our dietary guidelines not just here in australia and new zealand but the entire western world have their origins with a vegetarian vegan organisation called the seventh day adventist church who were actually actually effectively wrote the dietary guidelines for the world since 1923
0: wait and i'll stop you there because i think most people understand that one of our major
1: cereal companies absolutely right Sanitarium, Australia, New Zealand, a health and wellbeing company, that's brand name. They're a trusted, most trusted breakfast cereal company. It's only because they say that the most trusted is wholly owned by the Seventh day Adventist Church. They don't pay taxes in Australia and New Zealand. And everyone thinks who's the Seventh day Adventist Church, but they are, as it turns out, the second biggest educator in the world after the Catholic Church. Um, major involvement right through our Polynesian neighbours and uh, what is it, six of the presidents and prime ministers of our Polynesian neighbours are Seventh-day Adventists. Quite fascinating, very powerful. Mm. They they effectively started the cereal industry of the world, the Western soy industry, the alternate meat industry. W- and the-
0: w- wait on, w- one thing, you just mentioned that and it just occurred to me, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think it's a good point. Don't Pacifica people have the highest rates of diabetes?
1: They have nine. The, the you know the, the blue continent, the you know the, the Pacific nations have uh, the top ten or worst ten obesity rates in the world. Obesity, right? But they have nine out of the top ten diabetes rates. You know, this is you know it shouldn't really be a race to the bottom. The only one that pips them is Kuwait. Kuwait comes in at number ten on that list, and it's interesting. It's a, it's an Islamic state uh, which bans alcohol, so they have an enormous soft drink sugar consumption. Ah, right. But it's interesting. So the blue you know, that our yep. Polynesian neighbours, and there's there's some anthropo- anthropological reasons as to why they're probably more insulin resistant, more likely to store fat, and that's actually a genetic trait which has allowed them to migrate across the ocean hundreds of years ago. So the moment we expose that population, that that Indigenous population, to refined carbohydrates, sugar in excess, then they are particularly prone to getting obese and diabetes. So in the process of all that, the Seventh-day Adventist Church are pretty well vertically and horizontally integrated into the processed food industry. You know, we're talking about Kellogg's in the U.S. We're talking about sanitarium here in Australia. Virtually all cereals in the world were invented in a place called Battle Creek, Michigan, around the turn of the last century, around 1895 to 1910. Virtually all of them were owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And look, and it's fine for you to own a food industry. It's also fine to have a religious belief. But that religious belief, which is towards veganism and the fact that the, once the whole world turns toward vegetarian veganism, then in their belief, they've been prophetized that Christ will return. Now, you can have that. You can have that opinion. and We're not, we're not anti-religion. Everyone's got their, their rights. And, but those religious beliefs, which are not based on science and are based on belief and pro, and ideology, shouldn't become the dietary guidelines. And as it's turned out, the dietary guidelines of the Western world, the old food pyramid, are largely grain-based, plant-based, with an increasing demonisation over time against animal-based product. Some of my lectures on YouTube, I talk about this progression from being animal-based food guidelines in the last 100 years now to being plant-based um and highly processed uh, we look i can quote specifically you know the us and the australian ones here our guide to healthy eating uh i mean I, you need to send out a search and rescue party to find the animal-based product on it <laughs> it's even got a bottle of coca-cola on it really <laughs> yeah I, not to have too much of it but it's okay so when you actually but when you trip again so If there's, we've got a problem in society. I say, if you want to eat by the food pyramid, you're going to die by the food pyramid, and along the way, you're going to look like the food pyramid. You know that whole our society is now so metabolically unwell, and so for the last you know
0: twelve. That's so depressing to hear.
1: Yeah, well, you know, because I'm solution based. The very first thing is to go to find the root cause. So. The the root cause is what we eat. We pay more attention to what fuel we put in our cars and what we put in our bodies. And the more i travel down this path, sugar and carbohydrates are not necessary. They're not essential. We need essential proteins in our diet. We need essential healthy fats in our protein. We need essential micronutrients, essential vitamins and minerals, all of which are abundantly available with an animal-based diet. A plant-based diet is going to be Short on essential proteins, definitely short on essential fats. Definitely short on vitamins and minerals, specifically B twelve, and you know specifically iron. And those countries which actually have like a lot of a lot of people say, oh look, Eastern vegetarianism works well. In fact, right through the you know our Eastern neighbour, South you know Southeast Asia, iron deficiency anaemia, micronutrient deficiencies, B twelve deficiencies, it's totally out of control. So. And we can discuss and argue and whatever. An animal-based diet is actually healthier for the person. I'll argue it's actually healthier for the planet because those ruminants and cows, sheep, and most animals eat this thing called grass, which comes from carbon dioxide. and That's the only thing which actually puts nutrition back into our soil. A plant-based agricultural diet strips nutrients from the soil. It's called farming and tilling, and they need to have fertilizers added. And the greatest export in the world, agricultural export in the world, is in fact um, uh, topsoil. So huh. if, you, if you look at, if you look at, like I don't know, if you um, the fall of the Roman Empire is actually largely based on its failure of, had to, to maintain its topsoil around the Mediterranean. The, the Middle East used to be a, a rainforest, temperate rainforest, and so. Again, this is all in history. So, if we actually farm our land and we don't look after our topsoil, then we are going to we're in a negative situation. We're already in that situation. The only thing which is actually going to put nutrition back into our soil is sensible regenerative agriculture. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a, it's not sustainable agriculture. We've actually got to put nutrition back into the soil, and so. As all of this rhetoric goes on, I'm actually trying to base my arguments, discussions and going forward on science and therefore all this anti-stuff, saying, oh, no, you know, plant-based has got to be the way to go. And I'm going, Hell, well, it's not nutritionally complete. It's certainly not, not environmentally sustainable. So who's making up this BS? Yeah, who? And, and, and so the more trouble I was getting into and the more science I was talking about and the more science my colleagues around the world were talking about, that's where Belinda started her research into actually who are the vested interests shaping our dietary guidelines in the world because if those dietary guidelines are actually shaped by the corporate food industry and the propaganda of this anti-meat rhetoric is actually coming from the processed food industry and it's highly organised and, you know, worth Billion, you know, I don't know. Yeah, at least billions, certainly trillions, May, maybe, maybe trillions, trillions, yeah, trillions yeah. of dollars. So, and as and it, that that's worth it as a business model, but as at a health model or a sickness industry. On the other side, we've got a society that's now, in the late, latest figures out of the US, is ninety three point two percent of the population are metabolically unwell. Right now, that, that's not going to be a hell of a lot different here in it's Australia. It's three hundred million people. Well, that's just the US, but you can, yeah. you can you can extrapolate the data to your backyard, my backyard. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, let's say New Zealand is incredibly healthy, and you're only at eighty five percent metabolically unwell. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's still a total disaster. Now, you know, literally, if by by like diabetes is an inability to control the blood glucose based on the carbohydrate you eat. If you don't eat the carbohydrate, you get rid of diabetes. It's a pretty simple concept. But that goes right in the throes of you know of the whole pharmaceutical industry. And you know, not surprisingly, I've been named and shamed by the pharmaceutical industry. Because if I'm right, it means okay, we we don't need half of the medications we've got. We can improve diabetes control overnight. Huge topic is mental health at this point in time. Mental health can be improved by diet, and there's more and more stuff coming out talking about. A low carbohydrate, you know, and if you take it down the line to a ketogenic diet, is actually very beneficial for a whole variety of mental health issues, and the neurodegenerative ones like Parkinson's dementia. And this is—it's yeah—it's almost too good to be true that if we change our diet to eat a non-inflammatory, low carb ketogenic diet, which just happens to be what babies are reared on, then we'll actually be healthier. Um, you're talking about, you know, the, the whole
0: complex behind it, you know, the, the big business, the vested interests, uh, I guess the people who can afford to lobby the hardest, all of that, but that doesn't explain why in that, where we started in that interview that, um, you've got supposedly independent journalists or journalists at least who are curious and, and, and want to know things, uh, having a go at you. Well,
1: I mean, I've spoken to the beef industry here in Australia because I'm actually a surgeon standing up for the benefits of an animal-based diet and virtually all that I've ever been able to come across the anti-meat rhetoric at an environmental or health level actually is just a, a pack of cards, which is really, you know, a house of cards literally so able to be blown over. I mean, this has been an incredibly challenging journey for me because virtually everything I've been taught in medicine, I've come to distrust. You know, mm. we, we, we've been able to find out that um, literally our dietary guidelines have been written by a church group and you, I call that... Um, generational education, you believe your teachers and you believe the textbooks and you believe their teachers. But the same thing goes with our healthcare. And uh, like um, Carnegie and uh, Rockefeller in 1910 commissioned a thing called a Flexner Report, a whole other topic, but effectively got rid of holistic medicine and started the whole pharmaceutical industry. So therefore, rather than come along and look at how we can holistically improve health, it was more how can we medicate Sickness towards health. And, you know, again, these are now trillion-dollar industries which don't have our health benefit at their heart. They have a sickness model which they need to perpetuate. And I realise that's a big call. And, you know, the vast majority of the medical profession just find this a bit edgy because it also means questioning your textbooks, questioning your lecturers, questioning your education, and most importantly, admitting that you got it wrong. Well, that's the hard bit, isn't it? We've seen that recently. Um,
0: Walking back from a position that you're so invested in publicly and maybe the shame of that and and everything else is almost a step too far for most people. So you you wonder if, well, it, it could never be
1: undone quickly, right? Well, the last time the medical profession ever had to say sorry Belinda pointed this out, my wife, she said, was thalidomide. Right. That's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. But I've, I've got to check the number again, but I think it was somewhere around about 50,000, it might only be 10,000 children, now adults, have, have become, were born with limb deficiencies. Yeah. Well, let, let's say it was 50,000, okay? You compare that to the fact that our dietary guidelines that I've been promoting, most people have been promoting, government's been promoting, is now affecting... of the population in your country. You know, we're talking, not talking 50,000, we're talking millions and millions and millions of people. We personally have already apologised to our children. You know, they're all adults. We say, sorry, guys, got that wrong. (laughs) Sorry about, you know, all that processed food we thought was a a treat when in fact it was just really a poisoning act. Yeah, Um, yeah. And and I'm I'm using slightly colourful language, but the hardest thing for me was to say I got it wrong. But the moment... And we teach this to our children. Just admit you got it wrong, and then we can all move on. Yeah. But as adults and as politicians, just admit you got it wrong. And so you
0: you, you, you talked about the numbers, thalidomide numbers, and what we could be seeing over the next short amount of years.
1: Well, no, we're we're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right.
0: All right. I'm just trying to trying to you know be careful and not upset anyone. But what what we are seeing right now, as you say. Um, is on the numbers uh, X, what, 100, 200, I, I don't know where it stops. No, we, we're talking billions.
1: We're talking billions. Mm. I mean, I've seen your the New Zealand data. We're just talking about excess deaths at this point in time. This is really topical. If you'd been following me on Twitter, you would have seen what I tweeted about an hour ago. Um, but you probably haven't. But it, it, what, I mean, hap- I happened to be driving home listening to the Senate our Senate uh you know, it wasn't question time, but they were debating a topic. And the question that came up was whether or not there should be an inquiry into the excess deaths here in Australia. Like, like we're running at 15, 16% above long-standing averages. And the same thing in New Zealand, I mean, depending on which month you're looking at it, some, some places it's three, four percent, some places it's thirty or forty percent. But I know here in Australia, 16% increased deaths per annum. Even one of our old Prime Ministers, Alexander Downer, was quoting that on Twitter recently. So question for Senate, the Senate. Anyway, it got it got voted down 30 to 29. So we're not going to have an inquiry into the excess deaths in Australia because, I mean, that's a WTF moment for me. Mm. You, know, you know, like if you put it into you know, 9-11 numbers, where 2,000, you know, what was it, 2,300 people died in the 9-11 incident. Well, we've got 2,300 people dying every week with excess numbers. You know, if if someone kept on flying a jumbo jet into into a government building every week, someone might say, well, how about we investigate that?
0: Yeah, well, it's obvious, isn't it? I mean, we, we don't need to be rocket scientists to work out why they wouldn't want to investigate that, because they're really scared. Of what uh, could happen
1: uh, to them, right? Well, but, you know, but then they are our elected officials. And you'd think then that their elected officials will be accountable. But I'll, I'll come back to Victorian politics. You know, Dan Andrews, there, who's um, the, the, the Premier, just got voted back in and all Yeah, landslide. how does that happen? Well, I think I, I keep asking people in Victoria about that, but effectively the opposition was pretty average about it. Um, but Dan Andrews apparently, uh, tongue in cheek, got the. Um, They've got the Queensland um, Real Estate Award for selling the most amount of real estate in Queensland (laughs) because everyone migrated out. Bailing out, yeah.
0: Um, Back to to the the, the Senate thing you're talking about. I mean, that's so obvious. Anyone with any common sense, that's a tell to them. They know you can work it out. So you can only do that for so long. But surely, uh, have you been thinking about this? The longer it goes, the more pressure builds up, and the more anger, potentially, and disruption, and a world of hurt um, uh, comes upon these people and whoever.
1: It, it they don't realise that. Well, it, it, this is the we've got kids, we've got grandkids now. Look, okay, you make a mistake, admit you made a mistake, try and sort it out now because it's easier to sort it out now than it is tomorrow. And mm. I mean. We can theorise, and there's more and more stuff coming out. You know, what's interesting, I've been speaking out about this, you know, for for a few years. Let's base our decisions on science around COVID management. And I actually came up with a list of 37 things that you need to consider. Now, I don't care if you're jabbed or not jabbed, but you should be able to make an informed decision. You should be able to make an informed decision, particularly as a healthcare professional, about masks. And about jabs, and about vitamin D, and about vitamin C, and about good nutrition. State of ketosis is actually beneficial. It stimulates your T cells. I don't. Know, I presume in New Zealand you had that alcohol shops were, were were still seen as an essential service.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they that was well anticipated by the uh, authorities. <laughs>
1: but, but, but if you take again, come back to science. Alcohol inhibits the function of T cells. T cells are a lymphocyte, one of the white cells. The T killer cells are the first line of defence against the coronavirus. So why on earth would you encourage people to go out and drink alcohol to decrease their immunity against the coronavirus? That's a bit like asking your special forces to go on the grog before they go out and defend your country. You Good you know, luck it's with just, that and and then you know then you can get your grog delivered to home and go home and well, well, you know, when, stay inside and bash the family when when
0: alcohol stores or retailers or, or or whatever were um deemed um what what was the term again um essential services essential services i just assumed that that was done because there was an anticipation that this would be stressful for people and you know they're going to go for the for the bottle let's say, and let off a bit of steam and and self-medicate that way. Um, and, and you know, you, you'd have very grumpy people who are used to accessing their alcohol, not being able to get to it, you know, um, and that would be coming back at you. But, we, but you know, alcohol is a depressant. But, so, yeah. So why would you um, deem that essential when what you've just mentioned about its effect on t cells and immunity and you know, front line of defense against coronavirus which should be known if you know it that other people know it or the health geniuses know it and also it being a depressive in a depressing situation it, i mean it, it sounds like they kind of wanted to help the
1: situation along but in the wrong direction to me I, look again if we talk about you know let's lock everyone inside well the most as it's turned out the most one of the greatest predictors apart from Age, obesity, diabetes in outcome is vitamin D status. So what do we do? Lock everyone inside. We know that ventilation, exercise, all critical. What do we do? Not not create those opportunities. Well, people were, were
0: people were arrested for being in the park. Yes. In your country.
1: Yes. So um, <laughs> so, so what what I'm yeah It's so crazy. I, well the the, the moment you know, to me, because I've been doubting of public health rhetoric for a long, long time. These were just, you know, I, I keep pointing these out. Does this make sense to you? Do you think this is actually a good decision? I mean, I, I, I to be, you know, I'm not actually practicing. I, I had to retire from the system. I couldn't actually go to wow. work. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, summed up, you know, in the midst of it all that. Um, I'm still doing a lot of advocacy work. We're still working at guideline review and doing a lot of mentoring of people with who are caught up in the system or are caught up going against the system. But I had um, I got three emails from my hospital within two hours saying this is a new COVID policy, and then an hour later, ignore the last one. This is a new COVID policy. Well, they're making it up as they went along. But and it wasn't the you know we had COVID commanders. My goodness, um, it, it was just <laughs> it was a power play. And people, and again, we had a situation here in Tasmania. There was an outbreak on the Northwest Coast. We had a clean hospital here in Launceston. So the decision was rather than fly in a military crew to look after the dirty hospital, they flew all the contaminated COVID patients into the clean hospital. Yeah, we could have you could have set up a whole unit, an isolation unit on the Northwest Coast. And said it and this, but you know, what it seems as though we went out of our way to make everything worse than it needed to be.
0: What's your gut feeling on that? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. Is this incompetence? And if it is, it's at a massive scale. It's almost like some sort of weird comedy movie. Or is this, this will be the question that people have in their mind. Is it, was it part of a, a strategy? Was it designed to produce the worst outcome rather than, Doing the sensible things, you must have must have a feeling for what it it most I, likely I, is.
1: I fluctuate between a combination of malignancy and incompetence, right? And I think they actually intersect. I am devastated by the lack of moral fortitude of the health profession as a whole to stand up against it. And but as it's turned out, that I through working with some senators, you know, who were in that 29 group who were voting for this uh, scenario and with multiple other groups that I've been involved in, there are a lot of people who left the system because they can't, they actually think it's negligent to work within it. So I actually think, that, and I think I'll come back, again, this all comes back to nutrition and, and where I've been for the last 15 years in particular. Yeah. We have an educational system in health and most universities across a wide variety of courses, which I call read, repeat, reward, read the book, don't question, just repeat it and you'll be rewarded with a career path. Whereas if you see the bottom of my email, it says science evolves by being challenged, not by being followed. That's the scientific method. It's the null hypothesis. It's absolutely everything in science. So the moment you stop challenging, the moment you stop questioning, then we are seeing the end of science and we're seeing the end of scientific evolution. Now, that has an implication coming back to say, okay, where are those healthcare professionals questioning and challenging? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I've got a mortgage. I've got to get the kids to put through school. I've got to put food on the table. Uh, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be criminalised. went to court last week about this and he
0: um could you just pick that up again because you froze for a moment? We got to um, um, uh, just before the um, uh, the jail comment you made. So um, whatever point came before that, if you pick it up from them, I, I can't remember exactly what you said.
1: Uh, yeah, so right in the midst, throughout COVID, we had healthcare professionals that were worried not just about their career path and their financial security, they were worried about going to jail and being in prison, certainly losing their medical licences. As a result of that, if the vast majority of healthcare professionals have just been very defensive on this and not challenging the guideline. Now, I, I go back to sugar and carbs and all of that. And sure, let's challenge the dietary guidelines, but it's the same medical community that wouldn't stand up about COVID. It's the same medical community that it's not standing up about now and saying, actually, we've got an increased death rate. I mean, one of our kids ended up with a myocarditis, pericarditis. I, I know that Two of my friend's kids have ended up in intensive care, one ventilated, because of a vaccine jab-related injury. And yet we still have government bureaucracies denying that this has occurred. You can't, you can't. while social media exists, and even though we're seeing a censoring of it, both here in New Zealand, right around the world, you can't keep the cat out of this. The cat's already out of the bag. And, you know, it's even on mainstream media now. So it's very safe for me now to say, OK, COVID now appears to have not been as severe an illness, particularly for the young, as it was painted to be. I can also say that the jab vaccination policy that was put out by government was not as effective as it was stated to be. It was not as effective at preventing spread of disease as it was stated to be. And it's got a clearly... Massive increased number of side effects greater than the government stated it to be. It's very that's on mainstream media. I can say that now. You know, two or three years ago, I had to say that cautiously. But that information is now in the public. You know, do you do you know someone do you, do you know well, sorry, in your circle of friends, have you got someone who is vaccine injured? Multiple. No, well, hang on. You're not supposed to. It's very rare, isn't it? Oh, Paul, you're clearly dreaming. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. You, you're, you're not. I got to stop not. taking the drugs. You, you, you're not. You know. So it's not a matter of in your immediate circle of friends finding one. I, I,
0: I, I, I tell um, you, I, I tell you, Gary. I'm talking to Gary Ficki, by the way, Dr. Gary Ficki. I tell you, I know fifteen, and three have died. I look.
1: I've, I've got a couple of mates who have died, and you know I'm a bit cautious. The one was a pharmacist who was incredibly anti-this. You know, it's been pro-good, healthy lifestyle, blah blah blah, and he was pretty well forced into being jabbed. He died suddenly for heart attack, and. You know, I, I, I start cautiously in the back of the crowd because it's a very popular fellow. I raised the phone, why isn't anyone asking if this is jab related or oh, don't bring this up at the funeral? I said, why the f- beat not? And um, because theoretically every <laughs> oh, single dear. person who's been jabbed should have had an autopsy. And yes, and very few countries around the world have been advocating this, and certainly with the increased death rates, and I think the Germans are very interesting. The Germans have actually done some start early pilot studies on this, and they're finding that these people are dying of sudden death. You know, we're talking about increased death rates across all age groups. This isn't just about 80 and 90-year-olds. This is about all age groups. Those in the at-risk groups, small numbers still, but the vast majority of them, have got Evidence of myocarditis in particular, and it's actually related to um, the uh, the spike protein specific to the vaccine process, and not the spike proteins and the whole genome sequences related to the um, to the COVID the coronavirus. So very clearly, there's a we're seeing autoimmune disease at a subclinical level on the large numbers of people and if we start biopsying them all and looking for it, then I think we're going to see a lot more because the only people are looking for it then find it. But the vast majority of people aren't looking for it and we've got a Senate you know, scenario today. We, we, you know, The conclusion is let's not look for it. Now, that, that's, you know, that's despicable is the mildest term. That's malignant as well. Is it incompetent? No, I don't think that's incompetent. Well, I, uh, think that's-
0: I saw I saw the guy in the um, British Parliament, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Bridgman, is it, or, or something like that, and he, you know, he, that's his second attempt. The first attempt or the first question that he put to uh, Parliament in his time, there was about three people there, <laughs> The second time is when they saw he was getting up about to say something, they literally scurried out like rats leaving a ship. It, it was incredible to watch. Mind-blowing.
1: Well, I think there was a, a short video by John Campbell pointing out that there was one person from uh, the standing party went deliberately walked across to a couple of independents and uh, told them to leave. Right. I didn't see that, but, but, uh, but again, it's why if 16, an extra (laughs) 16% of your electorate's getting knocked off each week, you should, you should be inquiring about it. And. uh,
0: Of course, but, but you wouldn't inquire into it if you had a guilty conscience.
1: Yeah. And and that's the malignant side. I mean, yeah. And I, and I, I think there are a lot of people in the in the game who it's easier to do the cover up again, I'm privy to some stories which uh, aren't quite mainstream. Um, I know of some whistleblowers within um, one hospital system that uh, have their case will probably come up this year where they were working in the administration of the hospital the medical records. all the paper files. In relationship to COVID vaccination complications, etc., and this is their story. I haven't seen the documents, but I have passed them down the pathway to someone who has. Um, all that all all of those documents came back and were taken out of the medical records and placed in a cardboard box in the corner of, of medical records, and then they disappeared. So hmm. it, so. Is that a cover up? Well, there's someone involved in. It is a cover up. It's got to be. It it has to be. I mean, these people contacted me for assistance because they were being threatened with going to jail for actually saying it. And I go, that's not the that's not the only story. I mean, but the fact is, so therefore, at a local hospital level, someone's been directed to do that.
0: And people are happy to follow the orders because they don't want to lose their job. And that's been the thing hanging over, that's been the, the PSYOP part of it, isn't it? it the, um, the fear of loss, loss of income and everything that that brings, um, shaming in public, um, you know, out on the street, uh, no access to
1: restaurants, bars, live shows, air travel. Well, I'm, I'm quite an antisocial person anyway. So I mean, here was my, and I'm not going to tell you my vaccine status, but I'll give you the answer I gave to everyone. I so, said, if I tell you what if I've been jabbed or not jabbed, how will that change our personal relationship? How will that change our professional oh, relationship? That's a good way of handling having? it. That's a good way. Because I'm not asking you about your penis size, you know, <laughs> Hmm. I, I, I So how is this going to change our relationship? I'm not going to ask you intimate details about you because
0: they want to know, Gary, if they're in, if you're in their tribe.
1: Well, people can work out what status I am, but I'm not telling them. Right. And
0: well, by not telling them, they're probably going to figure. It's
1: a default. Oh, that's right? all right. It'll be, can, well, he's one of one of them. You can you can figure it out, but yeah, I the um or as i've said i stopped work because i couldn't i refused to inflict this upon my patients
0: how many doctors would have done that how many health professionals would have gone oh, oh i see this i'm pulling right back we're not doing any of this because there's money to be made in in, in giving the injections
1: right there, there's income oh, yeah, yeah, yeah there's incentives and all sorts of things. Um, do you want the official government figure or do you want the on the street figure are uh, both probably? Well, I hear in Tasmania that uh, nursing staff uh, they about half a percent left. Okay. On the ground level, probably closer to fifteen percent. Whoa. Walked.
0: Is that why well, we've got a we've got a situation here
1: <laughs> where same.
0: you know um, it's it's all backing up in the hospitals because there are not enough staff uh, and it, if you're in the ballpark of 15 even 20 percent, let's say and they the good and the,
1: they were the senior ones that left oh just the senior ones no 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 the senior ones are the ones walk because they could they were old enough yeah. and wise enough and said i've had enough okay i get it yep. the, the junior ones the sheep are still left the right. shepherd the shepherds have left the ones that are going to succumb to the Rhetoric, the government regulations, and I know I'm sounding paranoid, but it's not a conspiracy if it turns out to be true. You know, it's it's literally the good ones have left. I know of a lot of doctors, but I can't give you a percentage. But I know when I've spoken to nursing staff here, and certainly senior nurses, about okay, what's the shortage? How many left? Well, we've lost you know we've lost twenty percent on this ward, twenty percent of our nurses. One of the wards, one of the surgical units, lost half of their nursing staff. Now, part of that's actually over COVID, and the other half is because the admin are, you know, not helping the situation. And this stuff is in the pub in the press anyway, so I'm not giving away anything. Mm. But if you if you lose half of your nursing staff on one ward, it's not going to run very well, is it? No, because then you've got to bring in agency staff, and that's not a criticism of them, but they don't know the game, they don't know the you know the local layout and how everything works in the situation, and 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 you compound that with as I come back to that original figure that ninety two percent of the population are metabolically unwell. We we oh dear, we've got a health <laughs> crisis, which is actually more related, I believe, to our metabolic health than into our staffing numbers. Because if you just make people better before they get to hospital, the load comes off, right? Well, the. the here is another just a number crunch for you the the time frame of return on investment for preventive health is several years more importantly, it's longer than one electoral term
0: ah uh, okay,
1: there's a lot in that
0: yeah uh, well it
1: says it says probably a hell of a lot <laughs> yeah. and so therefore i mean <laughs> we can stop this tsunami of health sickness in you know issues. By literally going back a hundred years and going back to good holistic health, I'm not saying there hasn't been advances in medicine and surgery and yeah, medication of course. And
0: stuff. Mm, I'm but a beneficiary of that.
1: Yeah. And and ditto. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for modern medicine. You know, so, but none, nonetheless, we. You know, I used it for a while. Hashtag we can do better. Well, I should change it. Hashtag we can we can do infinitely better. <laughs> yeah. Only changes it a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, I just, and uh, so if I haven't, uh, I just used a term which I know is politically incorrect, but I, I said I, to one of our kids yesterday, I said, look, I'm, I'm so glad that I'm, I'd, I'd rather be awake than woke. You know, yeah, and, I get that. I, and so, therefore, being awake, and that doesn't mean I'm, uh, don't believe in the wide spectrum of things and consider and respect. But I, I, I love everyone. I, I want people to have an opinion. And what we've done recently is, we in the last, well, I suppose we've been doing it progressively over time. Maybe I'm just a grumpy old man. We've actually not encouraging people to have an opinion, stand by it. And that's part of our educational system. And one of our kids have been raised in it. I'll say, that, okay, what do you think I should do That So I said, what do you want to do? and then we'll discuss it. And people don't stand up and form an opinion based on their knowledge. What they do is they form an opinion of what they've been told. Yeah. And that's when you've been told this one load of propaganda from the media, mainstream media, then you're going to believe it, because that's, that's literally how the Roman Empire was there, how... The Catholic Church survived because they controlled the media. For 1,500 years, the guy who stood up in the pulpit on a Sunday on the Sabbath and preached down, he controlled the media and the education. He was the only person who could read. The Nazis did it. They controlled the media. They had a message of fear and they controlled the media. The Church yeah. had a message of fear and controlled the media. And what do we hear? We've got a message of fear. Mm. Um, what I heard yesterday was a new term, fluvid, fluvid, influenza, and COVID together, really? Okay, that's oh, we've got a brace for fluvid. I went what? Okay, so that's the new term. Is, so, is there someone in the back room coming up with words? No, no, it's, 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 it's okay. We, oh, okay, people are not paying enough attention to COVID. Oh, we know influenza disappeared for we'll, a year. We'll, we'll double it. Let, let's just put them together and, and come. So that's so have a message of fear, control the media, and repeat it, and you you suppress information you suppress freedom of thought and all of a sudden we've got everyone succumbing and believing and then voting Dan Andrews back in you know etc etc and I I, I know that's almost flight of thought but is that part of a, a worldwide conspiracy or is it actually the fact that we as humans actually prefer to the majority of people prefer to actually be told what to do
0: maybe they do Maybe they do prefer, and this is what we're finding out. I want to talk about, you know, um, I think you used what well, "woke" versus "awake," and I kind of feel like, um, in medical terms, health terms, that I've been going. It's been quite a slow process, but it's very speeding up very much now, of of sort of waking up and realizing exactly what you've been talking about. You know, that the way that this system is designed, it's a sickness system, not a health system. And I think the sickness sickness industry, well, industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've had it all our lives. So, you know, it's just the thing, but, but I've been sort of waking up. I think a lot of other people have woken up a lot earlier than me, but are also waking up at the same time. And, and I just got a quick story. One one of the things that really made me realize is I was overseas in South America and I, I was invited out to a meat restaurant and I had the biggest, helping of meat that I'd probably ever had in my life. It was huge, and it was these guys coming around with all s- sorts of mm. different meats, and I and I ate that. And I'd been traveling, and it had been quite hard going. And then I noticed about a day after that, <clears throat> for about the next fortnight, I had never felt better. It was incredible. It was like I, to the point where you notice it. now, And that got me thinking, well, something must have been very good for me, and it was only that. It was protein.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: it was a, it was just such a good feeling, and it lasted for quite a while from that one thing. And it was just so much and a varied amount, and I guess it was good quality. But that really got me thinking. Boy, did that get me thinking! And since then, I've got an interest in that now, and I have, I have eaten a lot more meat. Yeah. Well,
1: if you, what's interesting, you get sugar and carbs out of your diet, sugar uh, without going into the biochemistry. Those talks are on YouTube. And they put the interested layperson, lots of pictures so you can actually understand what sugar and carbs do. Got to have graphics, Gary. it's all graphics, which we don't. We don't have anything graphic today, but yeah. th- those talks are there. So they're there. I actually got into trouble with the medical board for making things too simple. I said, "I'm supposed oh, to make, I'm supposed to explain it so you understand it." Anyway, long and short of it is, sugar will drive behaviour. It's meant to do that in nature. So in the the only natural sources of sugar are fruit. And honey, if you want to climb a beehive and get in a tree and get it, and you're going to get stung, good luck to you. But effectively, fruit is your only natural, easy source, and it's meant to drive you insane into hunger. Well, a possum will come along and strip your fruit tree bare the moment the ripeness goes up, about two days before you want to eat it. But it's driven into a frenzy of eating. Now, the same thing, sugar will overcome most of your normal satiety reflexes, like you've had enough to eat, and it will drive you to eat more. So what's happened is over a period of time, when you actually eat a plant, an animal-based diet, you're reaching you're reaching your requirements for proteins and fats and micronutrients, and it will say, "I'm full." So, I, I use the example of a pizza. You know, pizza's got a tuck, you know truckload of calories with it. It's got lots of colours, but it's actually lacking in micronutrients. Lacking in protein, lacking in healthy fats. So what happens is you will eat a pizza, and your body will say, "Actually, I'm not ready. I, I'm not. I'm still needing stuff." So you'll go and eat another pizza, or you'll have a night on the grog, and you'll be eating pizza. And on the way home, you'll have kebab, you know, and then you come home and you say, "I'm still hungry," so then you have some ice cream, <laughs> right. you know. We can, and if you have depending on what you've been drinking, you'll try and eat it with a fork or, an, or a spoon, you know. <laughs> Just- so, I've been there, done that. So we need to be eating to our nutrient requirements, not to our energy requirements, because we've got a truckload of energy available. Most people are carrying, you you know, several hundreds of hours of energy just around their abdomen. And it's just, that's just biology. So again, what well, you ate, when you, and I've, I've had that, you know, that going to a Brazilian restaurant, they call it, and you essentially eat as much meat as you want, and you've got a disc there and you turn it over when you can eat no more.
0: Yeah, that, yeah that, that rings a bell, yeah.
1: And so therefore, that that's it. I mean, I've done that twice, and both times, you know, I didn't need to eat for another couple of days. Yeah, same. And just the feeling. But guess, guess how we evolved as hunter-gatherers. Yeah, well we 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 you know, we weren't we didn't have you know we didn't have refrigerators that. we didn't have pantries we didn't have availability of food three times a day, five times a day, seven times a day depending on your eating pattern. We occasionally were able to hunt our game down and you know there's a whole lot of you know evolutionary hunting and techniques and yeah you know, we we're peculiarly skilled to to those hunting abilities. Um if you, it, there's another little thing to look into is persistence hunting. Oh. And, and that's how we actually evolved. So we actually have the ability to sweat. Most animals don't. So right. we can actually just push an animal and we can move into Exhaustion. And we can exhaustion and it just falls over. And we didn't have to hunt and run it down. We could literally just hunt an animal down until it collapsed and then we could just skin it and club it and eat it. And, again, that, that required a couple of days' work. At the, at the very least.
0: And that's all that energy around, around the middle that you're talking about there to fuel that. Yeah, so
1: at our times of plenty, we will eat to excess to fatten us up for our winter hibernation, for our hunting prey. But, you know, nowadays, you know, the only times of enforced, you know, inability to access food is good Friday and Christmas day, you know, because the shops are closed and you know that it drives a frenzy because you can go to the shops the day before and look at everyone filling up their supermarket trolleys with enough food for a month because the shops are going to be closed tomorrow.
0: Cracky. There's a lot going on. I remember when the, um, you know, the lockdown things finished and we'll wrap up in just a moment, the lockdown finished and I was living in Auckland at the time, uh, uh, you know, I'm in Wellington, another city, bigger city, and one thing I noticed was just the endless queues outside the fast food joints. Like the the lid had come off, and the first place it seems everyone was going was the McDonald's drive through, the KFC drive through, the Burger King drive through, the well, maybe not the Subway so much, but but you know, like I've got to get there.
1: You know, <laughs> well, it, it, at some point in time, you, you start losing faith in mankind um, <laughs> with with that sort. of. Really, <laughs> I, there was. There's a great quote I've, never, I've heard of, attributed to a few people, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that one. And I'll finish with one other. Is that uh, there are three sorts of people in the world. There's one sort who decide what happens. There's another one, another group which make those things happen, and then you've got the vast majority of people on the planet that go, "What happened?" <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> and and the the other thing, one of the things I live by, is actually a quote by Ronald Reagan. Was he once apparently said that he wasn't smart enough to lie. That's interesting. That's a, that's a good so, one. So if you are honest with yourself, and then honest with your comments, and pe- and I have people, I've people who come up to me and say, "Look, like, I saw you twenty five years ago as a patient, and you said this to me." And I go, "It was probably a bit, it was a bit random or whatever," and I said, "I probably did. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to deny it." And yeah. again. We've and that's been, being honest with yourself. No, well, it's, it, it's much easier to remember the truth. Like if I you know, said, oh, you're ugly, it's much easier to remember that than tell them, you know, I like your hair today or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but yeah, what I'm no, saying, what saying is we've now been faced with this scenario for the last few years in particular and I'll say for, you know, for the last hundred years, but particularly what's happening is the vast, more people are waking up to the fact, are waking, awakening to the fact mm. that they've been lied to. Yeah. So, you know, we're starting to see that unravel because one of the great things about current media and recording is that if I say this or you say that. It's recorded. Yeah, short, it'll short come back. It might be AI or whatever. We had Scott Morrison denying that he was actually texting in the midst of an Anzac Day service last year. And there's what, the video? <laughs> there's a video of him texting. In the, but he, I mean, he could have said oh, it was a matter of national importance regarding yeah. security, and I had to answer it. And everyone would have gone, okay. But the fact that he said, I wasn't texting, got up and said, I wasn't texting, and there's a video of him texting. You cannot lie. You know, um, Was it the U.S. um, um, secretary with the Ukraine war got up there and said, "Yes, we've got weapons of um, of biological uh, biological weapons factories in Ukraine," and then three days later she gets up there and says, "No, we don't have any biological weapons." You you and it was on Twitter, you know, literally. Here's
0: one video. That can't be just stupidity. That that is being quite confident. In knowing that the vast majority of people out there are not either didn't hear the first one, or are so forgetful, or your your next new truth overrides the last one and cancels it out. But
1: what I'm saying is, we're being surrounded by this. Well, this is on so many fronts, so much of the time. This is 1984 stuff. You know, yeah. whoever writes the history today changes the history of yesterday.
0: Wasn't it George Orwell who wrote? And I think I, um, Ronald Reagan said this too: that um, the the freedom is the right to say no. Uh,
1: could could be. No, I think I, it I, is.
0: I think it is. But I, I actually
1: there's, just say uh, no. I, there was an article I read no, the last couple of years again. Where maturity is the inability is the ability to say no. Right. Well, when yeah. you when you feel confident enough to say no, not going to do that. Just no. You've crossed, my, you've crossed my personal boundaries, and we've all got different boundaries and lines we draw around a multiple of issues, multitude of issues. Um, and you just go, no, no, that, that, no more. I can't do that. Not going to do it. No.
0: Yeah. Good luck tra- trying to make me try. Good luck.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we watch two-year-olds do it all the time. No, no, <laughs> <That's> no. no. <laughs> so, yeah. what, so what changes? Not doing that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We've covered a lot of ground and gone everywhere and nowhere. Well, we? I mean that's that's what having a good
0: chats all about, and um, we've topped out just o- over an hour. So um, I would suggest that um, folk are interested in, in if they don't already know about you, finding out about you, you you're in quite a few places. There are YouTube videos. Um, articles, pieces. Radio New Zealand's got you on their website <laughs> <laughs> mentioned at the yeah, start. Not, that could not be a bit particularly I listening
1: to that. i barely got a word in there there. Yeah, well,
0: but you anyway. wouldn't be the only one. So we, we apologise on behalf of the nation for that. Uh, Dr. Right. Gary Fetke, orthopaedic surgeon from Laudan Australia. It, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for making some time. And uh, we'll be, and our, our listeners will be, um, I'm sure, keeping an eye out for your um, content and you've, on Twitter, on the social media, and this will be on the replay too on our website for people to catch up on late, later. So I believe you're off to um, a swimming event really soon, so I hope that goes well.
1: Well, I'm about to hop in the water with our two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter who oh. who um, I used to um, give her biltong you know, when she was about one, one-and-a-half. Yeah. One of her first words were when she'd be sitting, she'd just go, meet meat so okay <laughs> she'd sit there and chew on a bit of dried meat yeah yeah and uh she'd go oompa that's my name because i went got, everyone said you can't be what are you going to be called grandpa or something so call me Umpa loompa yeah you know and he would say she, she goes oompa meat go, <laughs> so you can't not how can i not love her
0: no that, that's a that's a good one um Anyway, thanks so much for the chat and all the best. And I'm going to keep on eating that red meat, I tell you.
1: Yeah, um, just found another article in favour of it you know, today, but uh, we, it keeps coming. All right. All the best. Bye, bye.
0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.